You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. So imagine that there was a chair sitting in a house and uh, an older boy gets in trouble. Can you with me so far? Okay, and, and so the mom says to this older boy, says, now he's, he's young, but, but older than his siblings, you sit in that chair and do not move. Confession time. Any of you ever hear that when you were little? Yeah, uh, uh, some of you were lying. You didn't raise your hand there, but, but maybe your parents didn't do it that way. Sit in that chair and do not move. It was always that way, wasn't it? It wasn't just sit in that chair and do not move. Do not move. Now, the boy, what should he do now? He should sit in that chair. And what should he not do? He should not move. Why? Because his mama said so. And because the Bible said, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is right. So, if the mama says sit, he needs to sit. If she says don't move, he needs to not move. Did you ever see the Dennis the Menace? He's sitting in a chair facing the corner and he said, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Well, well so he's, he's sitting there. Now, we add a, a little uh, color to the story. There's a stair in the house, and this boy is upstairs, and he's sitting in a chair that happened to be in the hallway for one reason or another. And at the end of that hallway, the steps go down, and they're pretty steep. Now his toddler little sister comes running out of a room and going straight toward those stairs. And she's running fast. Now what should he do? Wait. Wait, mom said, sit there and do not move. And now you want him to move? You want him to disobey his mother? See, we're going to have times in our life when we have competing values. Colossians says, children, obey your parents in all things. Colossians 3.20. So he should sit there. But the Bible says more than that. In the Bible, he's supposed to be looking out for his siblings. Jesus commanded his followers to show love one to another. And to make sure they got it right, he said it in John 13, 34, John 15, 12, and John 15, 17. Now, if Jesus tells you to do something three times, you better do it. Once is enough. So, in uh, Philippians 2, Paul reminds believers to look out for the needs of others and to help them. So, back to this illustration, this older boy seeing his younger sister go running toward the stairs. Now, maybe she could have handled it, stepping down gently, holding the handrail, but she's running, and he knows she's going to get hurt. So, what should he do? He should jump out of the chair, save his sister, and then sit back in the chair and hold on to his sister till mom comes. 
That's what the mom would have wanted. Now, if by chance he'd let the girl go and she got hurt, the mom would have not been happy with the boy. He would have obeyed, but he wouldn't have done the right thing under those circumstances. So we've been focusing on mission impossible or mission possible for us, that we can follow the Lord and we can serve Him and we can do things for Him. And all of us have a capacity to do things for God. We're called to be an ambassador. We're called to be a light. We're called to be faithful. We're called to serve. And, and we have that opportunity and we can do that. But there's going to be times when we have conflicting values. We have values in conflict. Do we do this or do we do that? What do we do? Now, it's really easy sometimes, right? Sometimes, you know, do I steal or do I not? Well, that's a no-brainer. That's an easy, don't steal. Do I lie or tell the truth? Tell the truth. But sometimes it's two good things. And, and we want to do both, and we can't. You will have times when you will have two or more values or desires that seem to be equally important, but you can't pursue both at the same time. So how do you decide which one's more important at the time? Well, I want you to turn to Luke 13. We're going to be there, and then we're going to be in Matthew 12. Uh, we're going to start out in Luke 13. Adults and kids have to learn to use their intellect and their insight to make wise choices when two or more values seem to clash, when two or more things seem to uh, be battling. We have to learn how to make good choices. So in Luke chapter 13, uh, beginning of verse number 10, uh, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. That's a long time. 18 years feels like a lifetime when you're in pain. He had a, an infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now, uh, in our culture, in our day, we understand there's some things like, like scoliosis uh, uh, affects your back. But in this particular case, she was uh, harassed by Satan. And like Satan had caused this. Satan does not cause all health difficulties, but he certainly can. And so in this woman's case, he had, and we know that because of what Jesus says a little later. So, verse 12. Uh, but when Jesus saw her, he called, to, called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now pause right there just a moment. Now in our culture, it's common for us to lay hands on one another. Well, maybe not so much because of COVID, but before COVID, right? We would shake hands, we would high five, we'd pat each other on the shoulder. It's not that unusual. You know, um, I, I remember when I was a kid, my pastor used to pat me regularly on the back of the head. 
But, but, but that's not unusual. It, in fact, you would think it was a little odd if you had a pastor who never wanted to touch anybody. But in their culture, men did not touch women they were not related to. It was not done. In their culture, rabbis did not touch the other people. And so here's Jesus, who was a rabbi and a man, touching a woman who's not his family. That would have been a little bit shocking in their culture. But you know what's more shocking to us? The response of the people. They've seen this poor woman. She's been struggling for 18 years. Everybody knew it. Everybody saw her pain. Don't you wish you could heal people? Don't you wish you could show up at the hospital? You know, you could put an ad in the paper, got COVID? Come see me. You're healed. That'd be awesome. And, and this woman got healed. And they should have been rejoicing, but they weren't. Verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Sounds like a fun guy, doesn't he? Then the Lord answered him and said, hypocrite. Jesus is in the synagogue, and he calls the synagogue leader hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it, to give it a drink? You take it loud and give it water and then take it back. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think on it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Jesus said, yes, she should be. This woman should have been healed. It was the right thing. And his adversaries were put to shame. And the multitude rejoiced. Now, for Jesus, this was an easy decision. Sabbath rule or what? Now, I would call it a no-brainer, right? Because we understand that concept. But Jesus never had a no-brainer. Jesus thought about everything he did, and he always did the right thing. Now, first, was it a labor for him to heal? No. That was a gift he could give. He gave it liberally. He gave it away regularly. There were times when mobs of people came, and he healed every single one of them. It was not a labor for him to heal. So he wasn't, technically wasn't laboring on the Sabbath. He was just giving a gift. Second thing is, people are far more important than animals. And we would take care of an animal. We should certainly help a person. And then thirdly, Jesus is teaching, we should be oriented to help anytime we can. We should be oriented to help any time we can. Now, you and I know about lots more needs than we could possibly meet, unless you're amazingly independently wealthy with an oil uh, derrick in your backyard and a 
diamond mine under your front porch. Uh, you just can't help as many people as you know of the needs that are out there. Help the ones you can. Be oriented to helping people. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read a similar story in Matthew 12. Now, there's two stories here. We'll read the similar one second. Okay. Matthew chapter 12, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. They were allowed to walk on the Sabbath. They just had to limit the number of steps they took on the Sabbath. And so uh, this was the rule the Jewish people had made, not a rule God had made. God said Sabbath was a day for rest. So the Jewish people calculated, Jewish leaders, exactly how many steps would involve work and how many would be restful. And so you couldn't take one more step than that. And so if they had to go further, they took longer steps, right? So they could count the steps on the Sabbath. And, and they were ridiculous in how they tried to do it. But uh, it says in the middle of that verse, his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the heads of grain and to eat. I thought that was a pretty cool story when I was a kid on, at a farm. I pulled some of the wheat out and threw it in my mouth because I always like wheat. Apparently, I like processed wheat. <laughs> but, but they just grabbed some and ate some. Were they harvesting the crop? No. They were just eating to meet a need. And by the way, in that culture, the farmers were also supposed to leave part of the field for people to be able to eat. They, they didn't harvest the corners of the field so that people could come and get some. So they weren't stealing. Now, if you do it with a farm today, like you go past a watermelon patch and it's a farmer and you say, oh, that's a good watermelon, I'll just take it. That's called stealing. It's a bad thing. Just, just saying. All right, look at verse 2. The Pharisees saw it and they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. See the exclamation point there? On the Sabbath, they're doing this when they should not be doing this. So he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. The showbread, table of showbread, it's kind of an amazing thing in Israel's history in the tabernacle. They had a table of showbread, and they put the bread in there, and it would stay in there for a week. And then the, the uh, people who worked in the uh, temple or the tabernacle at that time, they could then eat it. But it was an offering to God, and it stayed there, and it didn't get stale, it didn't get dry, God preserved it. And so when the week was up, then they got to eat the bread. And the priests then serving in the tabernacle, they gave it to David and his men because they were hungry. And that was designated to go toward them and their families, but they gave it away to help those in need. And now look in verse 5, or have you not read in the law... Uh, that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? The priests are working on the Sabbath. You know, it's kind of funny. People in the world think pastors only work on Sundays. Um, in fact, one time I had uh, night, several nights in a row, really long days, like 14, 15-hour days, several days in a row. And so one afternoon, I had not seen the kids pretty much since Sunday night, I don't think. And so Friday afternoon, 
I, I made sure I was home when the kids came home from school and I was out throwing the football with them outside and a neighbor lady came up to Kathy and said, must be nice to be a pastor. My husband has to work. <laughs> That's okay. God loves her. Uh, it's a lot of work being a pastor. It's a lot of work in any job when you put your heart into it. There's no job that's just fun and easy all the time, except mothering, right? That's no work at all. But. <laughs> all right, so he says, uh, verse 6, I say to you, in this place there is one greater than the temple. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus said it did not violate the Sabbath to eat a little bit. And secondly, there's a biblical precedent, right? An illustration from the Old Testament where the priest gave the showbread to David and his men because they were really hungry, and so they met that need. And third, they should have been listening to Jesus. They should have been learning from him. They should have been living to please him instead of criticizing him. And then it goes into this other story that's similar to Luke. Verse 9, now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. They were walking through a field, and the Pharisees were following and fussing. You ever have fussy people in your life? Just keep walking. They'll eventually get tired. Okay? Just keep going. He went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the, heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Once again, Jesus is saying healing was not a labor, it was a gift, and people are far more important than animals, and we would take care of animals. There are some animal rights people today who think animals are equally valuable to people. In fact, one guy said that once we get all the people off the planet, earth will be a great place for the animals to live again. I thought it was a great idea. I suggested you first. He didn't take me up on that. Third thing is we should be oriented to helping whenever we can. Is that your mindset? Do you think like that? Remember the boy in the chair? That's what he should have been thinking of, helping whenever he can. Jesus showed the will of the Father and he modeled what the law should be. In fact, in Matthew 5.17, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law, not to contradict it. So he showed them what following the law should look like. They got all confused. They had all kinds of rules and regulations. They had messed it up. They were focusing only on their statutes. As Paul later said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now I want to say one little thing about the Sabbath. 
And this is a Baptist preacher's one little thing, so it'll be a bit, okay? <laughs> All right, uh, the Sabbath was a law for Israel. The Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. Now, there are people today who call themselves Seventh-day Baptists. They call themselves Baptists. They only meet on the Sabbath because that's what God set up for Israel. Well, we don't meet on Saturday, and Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Uh, we would make our kids have a, a, a rest time every Sunday afternoon when our kids were little. I think that was mostly for Kathy and I benefit. <laughs> we could go rest if the kids were resting. But, but you don't have to have a Sabbath day on Sunday or the Sabbath actually being the Saturday. Sabbath observance was required in Israel, but is never required for the church. Uh, the other nine commandments are taught in the New Testament, but the Sabbath is not. It was for Israel. The Jewish writers who wrote letters to believers, none of them in the New Testament, the Jewish writers, John, Paul, James, Peter, Jude, the writer of Hebrews, none of them gave Sabbath instructions for the church. Now, your body does need a day of rest. It's healthier if you have a day of rest, a day of different activity. Um, so uh, if your day is, you know, you could hike out into the woods here and, and you can spend some time uh, resting and reflecting and maybe health hiking's a burden for you, that wouldn't be a rest for you. But pushing yourself to work all seven days violates God's order of creation. You need rest, you need to recharge, and then re-engage. Now, when I first became a pastor, I tried to take Mondays off all the time. I still take Mondays off sometimes, but when I started teaching at IBCS, I stopped taking Mondays off. I took whatever day worked good for me. And so sometimes I'll take a half a day here, a half a day there. Uh, some weeks when I'm sick, I'll take a couple days because uh, my body needs more rest. But Jesus wanted the synagogue leaders to care deeply about the people and then to do the right thing, even on the Sabbath day. And instead of caring about the people, they were focusing on the rituals and the rules and the regulations. So, to resolve situations of values and conflict, we need to apply the scripture in our daily lives. We need to follow the heart of God in scripture, not just the rules. Jesus showed that their Sabbath rules were violating the very heart of God. We need to emphasize what Jesus thought was most important, and that was showing love. Jesus called it the great commandment. Not just the great, but the greatest. Master, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Oh, and the second one's like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love for God and for people. That's what Jesus did. He showed love and he miraculously healed people who were suffering. And the petty little leaders in the synagogues got fussy and complained instead of rejoicing that the hurt these peoples endured was healed. The synagogue leaders 
did not have a heart for God or God's people. Now, I don't know the future. I don't know what God holds. You know, any given day, you or I could die in a car accident. We don't know. But if this church is ever looking for a pastor again, make sure you find one that loves people. Because some churches have pastors that don't. And it kills the church. So the third thing, we need to uh, apply the Scripture in our daily lives. We need to emphasize love like Jesus did. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit who always guides us to do the right thing. The same Spirit that was in Christ is in us, the Holy Spirit of God. That's what the Scripture says. So Jesus was continually walking in the Spirit, so He was continually doing the right thing. His decisions were spiritually accurate and spiritually best. And then these people who were not walking in the Spirit would criticize and fuss. Now, let me give you an illustration from our day. Okay, Like back in March when the pandemic started up, um, the government and CDC health Stop. They said, listen, what you need to do is not meet in public. For the safety of people, don't meet in public. And so uh, what some churches did was they temporarily suspended their meeting together. We suspended it for two months. We didn't meet together. We just did videos. And, and uh, most of the time I was in here making a video. I, I was by myself or Megan was the only one in here. And, and it was really hard. And so I pictured where people were sitting sometimes. And I would I'd try and talk to, to not just be staring at the camera because I'm not very good at that. Um, but, but we did that. And so um, Titus 3 instructs believers to do certain things toward the government. Do you remember what it is? Yeah, to obey and be subject to civil authorities. Romans 13 tells each individual believer to obey and be subject to the governing authorities and that resisting those authorities is to resist the ordinance of God. So, when the government says, you should not meet, should we not meet? But in Acts 5.29, Peter said, within certain circumstances, we ought to obey God rather than man. And because Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, some suggested that churches who did not meet actually made their members sin because they wouldn't give their members the opportunity to meet together. So we had a value in conflict. I've caught up to the screen here. Two things that both seemed important that we could not do at the same time. Stay home for safety, assemble for community. We couldn't do both at the same time. So remember that illustration the boy with his mom, what would the mom have wanted him to do? Jump out of the chair. Protect the younger one. And then go back to obeying. She wouldn't have wanted him to... If, if she came out and his sister's laying in a crumpled mess at the bottom of the stairs and he said, you told me not to move. 
she would have been upset with him because he would have done the wrong thing. He would have made a poor choice. And God desires his children to exercise and make wise choices, to have discernment and values and make decisions. And so we made the decision not to have public services. Now, historically, churches have canceled services uh, when, when weather's bad. What are some weather events that uh, churches have canceled services? Tornado warnings, hurricane, earthquakes, ice storms. We don't have that here. Bill Zimmerman sent me a little video of him driving through snow-packed road with snow piled on the side. And so I sent him a picture of me out in the sunshine going for a walk. <laughs> but uh, Bill lives up in Wisconsin. He, he was a member here, Bill and Katya, and we miss him. But listen, there are times when the safety of the people and the community, churches have canceled. And that was the right thing to do under those circumstances. And so with the government and the news media proclaiming that meeting in church could be a health risk, we decided we would switch. And by streaming, putting our services online right away, we weren't actually streaming initially. We were recording and then broadcasting it. Now we're streaming it. But uh, when we started doing that, we were still calling people to repentance. We, we were still um, challenging people to repent and trust the Lord. And, and we were still calling Christians to walk in the Lord and, and encouraging people. And, and we were doing all of that still. We just weren't doing it in person. And sometimes, like last Sunday, I'm not sure why or who all it was, but there were more people who actually looked at at least part of our service online than were actually here in the building. Uh, I don't know why it was that high, but it was. But but we could do what we could at the time, and it seemed like the best call. That was just one area where we had to make a decision, and we couldn't do both values at the same time. So we need to apply the Scriptures in our daily lives and follow God's heart in Scripture, not just the rules. And, and we need to show love the way Christ did. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the more you know of Scripture, the easier it is to listen to the Holy Spirit because He brings those Scriptures to mind and, and reminds you and guides you in your path. So here's a rule that I have found that's been very helpful in my own life. When I'm facing a decision where it's this or that, they're both good things, they're both valuable things, they're both important things, but I have to choose one at this time and I can't do both, I think I make the best decisions based on showing God's love to the people in my life. That's when we make the best decisions. Let's go back to the... the Scripture illustration, and not illustration, the Scripture we looked at this morning. In the synagogue, the woman, 18 years, bent over in pain for 18 years. And the leader of the synagogue fussed that she got healed on that day? 
You know what he should have done? He should have got all the synagogue together and said, Hey, everybody, she's healed. Jesus healed her. And they should have had it rejoicing. The guy with the hand. Now, it's, it's hard enough in our culture today to not have two healthy hands. But in their culture, it was brutal. Quite often, people wouldn't uh, hire a person who had a, a deformity. Uh, and some people wouldn't even give to them. They thought they were beneath them. They scorned handicaps. I mean, the United States is not a perfect country, but we have done more to help handicapped people than any nation in the history of the world. We're still not doing very good at helping colorblind people. They color code everything. But, but you know, other than that, we do a great job helping ha people with serious handicaps. We have ramps and access and all kinds of stuff available. But we make our best decisions based on love. Jesus said the greatest commandment, love God with everything you are and everything you've got. And then share that love with other people. That's the big stuff. So we need to show God's love as we share His truth. We use discernment as we walk with the Lord. And this coming week, you may face a time when you're going to have two things. And you're not going to know which one to do. So, follow God's heart. Show love like Jesus. Listen to and follow the Holy Spirit. I don't know what those decisions will be. You might not have one this week. You might not have one this month. Chances are, you've got some in your future. And so, did we make the right decision when we put our message online for a couple of months? We made the best decision we could make at the time. And then, when we could get back together, we did. And then we started Sunday school again. And we started Awana again. And we started uh, ladies, uh, friends needing friends. Well, they started sooner than any other thing. But um, we, we do what we can. There's no perfect decision-making on planet Earth. So be wise, use discernment, and show love all the time to all the people that God brings in your path. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.